Dudes, are you are you recording? Is I, everybody recording? I am recording, yeah. Recording now. Awesome. I just wanted to let everybody know that I have I will Todimodo say stuck in my head. I have no idea what the fuck that is. AKA you watch shock. Nice. This is Annie Gamers Podcast number 25, recorded on January 23rd, 2010. Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Minto, also known as Vamptbo, and who's with me today? Michi, that's you. Elliot Page is here. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Uh, his name's Elliot Page. Hi, Elliot. Hi, Evan. Uh, whoops. Hi, Mitchy. I thought you were going first. I'm confused now. Um, yeah, I'm Elliot Page, recording live. Way from... to break the fourth <laughs> wall, guys. <laughs> what wall? I can't see it anymore. Um, this, is, this is Elliot Page um, from um, England. Hi. Elliot Page, who's also a writer at AnnieGamers.com and runs his own podcast. Oh, yeah. Which plugs. is called... <laughs> Um, Luke and Elliot's Bear Fighting Extravaganza, a small cavalcade of excitement about video gaming and boring tech that we do with my, I do with my flatmate, who is currently at work, and has texted me that he hates it, so yay. <laughs> Wish he was here. He hates work, not <laughs> Wait, podcast, did you call right? him your yeah. flatmate or your fatmate? Because fatmate might well... be like the best new meme I've ever heard. Is it if a PH fatmate? Like he's like <laughs> a fat dude, but he's also your flatmate? I think it'd be better if he was fat, F-A-T, fat, seeing as the guy is about, like, seven stone in weight, and you can pick him up with one arm, so, Oh, my God, yeah. the British. What is a stone? Yeah, what the hell is oh, that? God. Okay, he's, like, 90 pounds. How's that? You, you've heard Mitch and I argue about, like, <laughs> measurements on here before. You don't but want yeah, to start no, this hey, argument. Hey, 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 you're going to start something about measurements. How about Americans, and you've got this weird cup measure? Who the hell invented cups? It's a volumistic measure. What are you people doing? I try and bake a cake, and it says cups in it. I don't know what to uh, do. Excuse me. That is Canadian, because that is a metric measurement of 250 milliliters. Thanks. Well, still, it's scrubby. Scrubby am, as hell. I'm, over, I'm overwhelmed by you guys here. There's, like, two people who use metric, and I'm stuck with American stuff. Yeah, see, you're the most wrong in this situation. <laughs> that is false, though. <laughs> Just because you guys have the power of majority does not mean that you are correct. Carrying on, I'm Mitch Dyer. I uh, write words about video games occasionally on Anti-Gamers, but not too often. He sometimes writes words about manga, but I think he did that twice. Uh, at least three times. Okay, three times. The rest of the time he's doing this podcast with me. Hi. Making stupid sounds. Yep. One sec. I got okay. Yes. I think we should just carry on without him. Fuck that guy. Yeah, let's go on. So, what are you doing, Mitchie? <laughs> What's up, Mitchie? Nah, How's first, it going? You're first. You see it? I've already established that I'm going to throw it your way every time. God damn it. Okay, first thing. Um, I have right here on my desk. Hey, I'm back. No, we, we left you behind. Already <laughs> I hate you. you. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, but I, I had a little intro. I had to say something <laughs> before we got into the main show topic, though. That's okay. We didn't get far. We got it as far as rambling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so this is episode number 25. And that means it's our 25th episode milestone, which took us a long time to get to. I know uh, Luke and Elliot got way past that. Uh, so the thing is, to celebrate it, we're going to change our show format. But really, we're changing our show format. Uh, other than for that reason, it's also just because 
the hosting service that we're on got like they're shutting down so we can't um we can't upload anything to it anymore after like february so we are switching to podbean and they require smaller file sizes so we are going to you we're going to do like shorter episodes probably like around a half hour or 45 minutes maximum whereas we kind of go to an hour maximum right now except when we get stupid and talk for too long uh and we're gonna, they're going to kind of be split. So we'll do ones like this, which is going to be just a, what you've been doing. We're just going to chat about whatever stuff we've been watching, reading, and playing. And then other shows that'll be interviews or longer discussion topics and things like that. And with that, let's get into what we've been doing. Elliot volunteered to go first. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Um, on my desk in front of me, I have a not um, a, a rather scary pile of manga that I've bought. Um, I have just ordered the entirety of Tezuka's Buddha. Um, all Sweet. eight volumes. All oh eight volumes goodness. of it. It took me a long time. I mean, I'm gonna uh, first of all, very quickly. This took me bloody ages to get. So if you have any interest in getting Buddha, I would get your wallet out now, because I couldn't get any via like direct channel through Amazon or my usual book sites like Book Depository. I had to go through quite a lot of sort of rigmarole to get these eight volumes together, and I'm still waiting for the fourth, third one. So right now I'm kind of done with the first two, and the third one is just waiting somewhere out there in the postal system for me to get it in some fashion. Um, but yeah, I've read the first two volumes. England, though. Random issues of that lying around in bookstores, I'm like, wow, that looks pretty good, but there's only Just go for it. Three, no, no, I... I'm not kidding you. I just go for it because it's gonna get. It's only gonna get harder to find the damn things. You can, but Elliot, I'm pretty sure you can get that like on right stuff. Uh, uh, to for... get to get stuff sent to right stuff anywhere outside of the U.S. and Canada for right stuff, you have to send them at least two kind. You have to send them photocopies of two kinds of ID, and right, they right. are really horrible to actually try and order from. Yeah, but I'm just pointing out, like, it might have been hard for you to get it, but I think in America it's still pretty easy, or and in Canada, I think it's still pretty easy to find. Oh, okay, yeah, we're in North must... America where things aren't stupid. Everyone can <laughs> Hey, 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 we have tea and crumpets here. We're quite fine, thank that's, you. That's true. I, I do love me a good tea and crumpet. Yeah. Yeah, so in, it, as an upshot, I have the first four volumes that are verticals um, printing, and I have the last four volumes that are in the UK um, HarperCollins version. So I've hmm. got half the, you know, the spine design with the three faces of Buddha. Yeah. That are usually changed. Yeah, I, I've only got half of that um, <laughs> because the vertical printing got rid of that halfway through. So I've only got, <laughs> I've got, ha- I've got a, a face and a half of Buddha of him looking old, which is kind of weird. But yeah, I've read the first two volumes um, since I started receiving the vol- since I started receiving it, and it's well, I've lost sleep over it. It's kind of crazy gripping. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I've always kind of wanted to learn more about Buddhism, but always been late, too lazy to buy an actual real book about it. And while I'm not taking it as historical fact, it's just very interesting to read. And the entire first volume is quite. I don't know, I think it's very interesting because it's not at all about Buddha, it's just all setting up the environment and setting up lots and lots of characters that are going to come in handy later. And I think that's quite refreshing, really, where you just get an entire volume of, like, there's no plot line, it's just kind of, here's a bunch of people, watch the people go and live and, well, die. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. But, man, it's kind of, it just really sucks you in. It doesn't let you go until eventually you actually fall asleep with your face on the volume, which is kind of bad. Yeah. Yeah, how about some of those uh those full page um drawings of like the the mountains and stuff like that? Did yeah. that 
totally blow you away like it did for me. Yeah, you you get that. I mean, there's like one page I found towards quite early in um, volume uh, two where it's just here, here's a landscape, and you think, damn, that landscape has like five times more detail than anything else. Yeah, I, yeah, that is pretty arresting when you get to it. That's actually something that came up a lot in Ode to Kirihito as well. Ah, that is one of the things I'm going to be talking about, actually. Nice. Oh, good. Well, do you want to talk about that? Then I'm kind of done with it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so I've been reading Ode to Kirihito. Well, I guess we'll just do this out of order. So uh, Ode to Kirihito is really good. When I first started reading it, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would, because... Uh, I don't know, part of it might be the translation, but the dialogue seemed really, like, to go too quickly. And it's something I think Tezuka does a lot, where it's like someone will sum something up uh, too quickly in one line of dialogue, and it doesn't feel like a natural conversation. Like, there was one point later in it where a girl gives Kirihito a gun, and she's like, here, use this gun that I stole from them to fight them off. And it was like, the it was something like that where it was worded, in a way where she was kind of saying too much in one sentence, like they were tra- like he was trying to cram it into one uh, one panel. So there was some of that at the beginning, but really as that goes on, it gets it gets just really awesome. There are some awesome awesome reveals. I'm I'm a little over halfway through, but uh, did you, have you guys read Kirihito? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it was the first Tezuka thing I actually got um, after I think Anime World Order talks about it, and I'm. I've read it three times now because the, the characters, especially once you've read it, read it enough, start to get real deep traction with me. At least with myself, they start to get really deep traction. And, yeah. you, you know, you you really, really empathize with the characters, even the ones who are kind of, you know, messed up. Um, yeah, what, um, I'm forgetting his name right now. Dr. Urabe, I think. Yeah. The, really the, interesting because he's a hero, but he does so many bad things. You're not <laughs> sure if you want to like him or not. Yeah, he's a really, really nice guy. I kind of thought all the bad things he was doing because I empathized so much with him. I don't, I don't know, he was kind of a mix of empathy and sympathy. That I was just kind of yeah. rooting for him and anything he did to get by, I was just like, yep. All right, that makes Even sense. when he raped somebody? Yeah. He raped like two women Whoa, at least so that. far. Oh, yeah, you yeah. You remember that? That's, that's, that's like essential to it. It's been like two years since I read it. <laughs> no, I was... I was actually going to talk about one of my favorite parts of it is uh, that one of the, my favorite parts I've read so far is, I mean, I, I'm going to spoil it. Spoiler alert. Skip past this if you don't want to hear. But, I mean, it came out in the 70s, people. Uh, so what it is is he he rapes the, the girl who's got, who uh, has gotten Monmo's disease, uh, Helen Freeze or something like that, however you say her name. Yeah, the nun. And... Uh, and you know, he feels really bad about it, but he was kind of, like, overwhelmed in this moment of passion. And then somebody calls, like, he calls up the hospital, and they say that she's disappeared. And it's got that one drawing. It's, like, a nearly full-page drawing of his face. And it's all, like, really detailed etching of his face and, like, all these... It's all lines. There's no toning on it. And it's, it's very kind of chiseled and super detailed-looking. And it's just him, like kind of just ranting words so he's just like my sin my sin i must atone my hell in room 66 it was like that was incredible and that i loved it because it just kind of summed up how overwhelmed he was with what he had done wrong and i don't remember that I think at he, all i need to go back and read really this. oh god that blew me away yeah, he has i mean he has some um, other psycho- psychotic episodes as well where you know the paneling goes mad and you just see close-ups on his yeah. face and especially his eyes it's like you remember yeah, have you read moo 
Um, yeah, yeah, spectacular. That's my, that's my favorite. Yeah, I love that. I love that thing to death. But no, Moo has the same thing where you have like someone who looks quite normal, and then you'll get a panel of their eyes, and it's just the most fucked up eyes in the world going, and they are weeping <laughs> the hell out, and you can just see them, and you know, depending on what you think about the character, whether you like, you think he's despicable, or you know, you empathise with him, it's just like, whoa, you know, that dude not not doing too well. But yeah, um, Ota Kirihito is. Um, it's, I really I enjoy it. I mean, you might notice that the plot, it kind of, it might slow down towards the end, but it is fantastic the whole way through. Um, so I look forward to hearing what you think about the ending, about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm about halfway through. Uh, I do want to say I really like a lot of the, the panel stuff he does. Uh, there are a lot of really good panels that are on these weird angles where they're kind of radiating out from a corner yeah. of the page. And so you get this really, for uh, he does it a lot for... Uh, more kinetic action-y scenes and you get this really good sense of movement and then you know the, there will be a bunch of panels that are kind of slanted and then on the other side of the page there'll, there'll be uh, the like the barriers between the panels will be at a 90 degree angle from the ones on the other side of the page so it's like the whole story feels really off kilter because he doesn't use a lot of just plain square panels. I mean, the um, the, ra- the panels radiating from a corner thing you mentioned, they, it, that happens quite a lot in one of the Phoenix um, volumes. And the character sort of moves in a semicircular arc around the page while you're reading it, which gives you an amazing sort of... Because it's, cha- it's basically a chase scene, but it's a really good sort of feeling of movement because you can, you can just sweep your eye around and watch the character running. Um, across the page with the, um, radiate, with the radiating panels that are split into, like, segments. I always like... Yeah, I've actually heard that that's one of the things that defines uh, manga. Like, when, when most people try to compare manga to, uh, Ameri- to like, Western comics, the, the thing is that manga artists are always taught to, to work with a flow of, uh, like, a, a flow of the art so that when the person reads it, it's kind of effortless. And that's what I noticed the few times I have read Western comics. I've been trying to get into them more, but I haven't actually experienced that many of them. That's actually one thing that really pisses me off about Western comics, is a lot of the time I'm reading and I don't know where to, like, where the voice bubbles go, which panel I'm supposed to go to next, because they're stylized in such a way that they're trying to be unique, and it, a lot of the time mm. it's just kind of confusing. Yeah. And they also feel kind of like blocks of text, so you're just reading and reading and reading, and then you move to the next one and you read it, and you move to the next one and you read it. Right. And with manga, a lot of times I'll go past a page and I'll stop and go back and be like, I didn't actually fully take in what happened there because the flow just brought me to the next page before I had even realized what was going right, on. Right, I've noticed that a lot, page. especially in Tezuka. I'll, I'll read through a few pages and be like, man, I didn't even look at any of these pictures. Like, I didn't look at them at all. Right, it just it flows and you find yourself passing by a bunch of pages because it just kind of, it so effortlessly moves from one idea to the other. That must have been like a yeah. really, that, that rape scene must have had a really good flow, I guess, because I missed it entirely. <laughs> Well, his rape scenes are, are incredible. Not even just rape, but like really disturbing scenes that would require a lot of gruesome detail. Yeah. Instead of the detail, he shows like weird Mayan sculptures and things. And there's one where he has this whole Mayan sculpture, but it's upside down. And it's like the freakiest looking thing. He just manages to evoke that feeling without actually yeah. explicitly showing I mean, what's going well, on. Well, there was a rape scene in Moo that, that really sticks out for me. And it's actually on the spine of the book. Or maybe it's on Is the that the one where he looks like a wolf? Yeah, yes, that one. It's, he's raping this woman, and it goes. You flip the page, and it's. I think it's like a full page thing, and he's raping her, and she's all like looking upset and sad and pissed off, and he like Tezuka transforms the rapist into a wolf, 
And he just right. and he looks like incredibly menacing and is you know, that always oh, an animal metaphor. Blatant like a blatant metaphor, but like it's just really disturbing when you turn that page. Yeah, it's he manages to make that kind of stuff more disturbing even than showing the actual rape because he he's expressing the emotion of it in pictures which is it also saves the sort of very irksome thing of like you know the, the rapist looking at you know in like another or even other manga but also other sort of like american comics would do the thing where like you know someone locks the door and then you see the angry pose and then it just cuts away to something completely unrelated and it's just like yes i know there's a rape going on but did you have to cut away and be a pussy about it right when they do that in an american movie or something it doesn't it doesn't portray the same kind of emotion that Tezuka does there because you're just like yes a rape happened but I didn't I was not you know drawn into it and connected with the victim yeah, it becomes like it. something you're told it becomes almost like you know like someone told you about it rather than it's something that occurred to characters you know yeah. it becomes an incidental piece of information rather than holy crap a rape just happened so yeah <laughs> uh, so that's all that's about all I have to say about that what have you been doing, Mitchy? School? Uh, not reading a whole lot. Uh, I played Mass Effect 2 a little bit, but I won't talk about it because Elliot will cry. <laughs> Rightfully so, man. There's some sweet stuff that uh, I would not want to have spoiled for me, but I knew about it. I have it. I have so, it pre-ordered. Yeah, you guys are in for... Have you guys finished Mass Effect? Yeah, I've... I finished I it three on times it on the 360, and I'm currently furiously going through it on the PC to have a save ready for uh, Mass Effect 2. Um, I have Mass Effect 2 preloaded on pre-ordered on Steam to preload it as soon as I can. So can't wait. Ooh, I was going to ask you what choices you made, but if Evan hasn't finished, I don't want to spoil yeah. that. Yeah, don't. Because there are there are some sp- things that happen in Mass Effect. Yeah, there there is some crazy stuff. Uh, I will. Yeah, I I I've been through one of them. I'll I'll talk about how far I've I've gone in, and you guys can maybe try to yeah. temper your discussion so that it doesn't spoil things. Uh, but warning, we will spoil, like, if you haven't started Mass Effect 1, we will be spoiling Man, if you don't play Mass Effect 1, through. turn this shit off and go play it. The game is yeah, amazing. Yeah, agreed, agreed. <laughs> uh, alright, so what, I, what I've done so far is I finished Novaria, which is that, like, icy planet. How was that uh, Novaria core puzzle for you? <laughs> Wait, what was that? The core I'm puzzle. I've never solved it. I always use the gel. Oh no! I I kind of solved that by accident. It was like that the computer thing with all the like the squares that pop out. Oh god! I I didn't really realize how that was working, so I just pressed a bunch of buttons and I was like, "Hey, I, I did it! Awesome!" I spent two good. minutes tinkering with it, and I was like, "Nope, I'll just spend the." No, that that took me like Omni fifteen gel. minutes at least. <laughs> I I was drowning in Omni gel, so I just went, "What? You know, this is pittance compared to what I have." So you know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Novaria was was okay. I decided to save the whatever that is monster thing. Uh, I've been playing my character not as like evil, but kind of like like a practical jerk. So it's like like a military man. Yeah, like I'm I'm mean to people, but I would save one of my teammates because they're helpful to me. You know, not because I'm a nice guy, yeah. but because it's you get it's the useful. job. You get the job done. Right. Uh, but I wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm just going to murder a ton of people because I'm a jerk. Uh, so after that, I, I forget what I did. I, you know, whatever, went to some random planets as people are wont to do in Mass Effect. And then I went to Vermeer, which is that one where you got to... Oh, my phone's ringing. Yeah, Vermeer is actually like the highest point in that game for me. Like that sticks out in my mind is the most important moment. Because there are two incredibly important choices you have to make there that... Uh, yeah. 
both of them stick out in Mass Effect 2. So, um, just refresh my memory, it's been a while since I've played Mass Effect 1. So, Vermeer, you've got Fer... Vermeer, okay, it's where Saren is, is building an army of uh, Krogan. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, I remember now. Yeah, I... And, you ha- and then Rex is like, you know, I want to save the Krogan because he's got the, the, the cure. cure. Oh, yeah, the genophage cure, yeah, I remember. Wait, is this yeah. kind of getting into Mass Effect 1 spoiler territory, isn't it? Um... Oh, yeah, very Oops. much so. This is the... Okay, seriously. I, I, I already warned that to people. This is the biggest spoiler in the entire game. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, though. You know, when, you know when Rex starts shooting at the water and you have to try and talk him down? I was watching yeah. Luke, um, my podcast co-host, um, doing that, and he just and I was sat next to him watching him do it, and he said, man, fuck that guy, and he just killed him. And I'm like, no, how fucking dare Aww. you? God damn it. I like that guy. No, I swear, I, I did the, the thing you're not supposed to do in those games, and I... I tried to talk him out of it, and it didn't work. And, and like, uh, no. You know what I did? I, at first, I just chose to shoot him because I thought I was going to, like, shoot him in the leg or something and, and immobilize him. <laughs> and then Shepard shoots him and kills him. I'm like, that's not what I meant to do. So I reloaded my save, and I went over and tried it again, which I know you're not really supposed to do, but I, I just really wanted to save Rex. And so, like, I tried to talk him out of it, and then... Like Ashley shoots him, and I'm like, no. That's why you should leave space race. So I went back and tried it again, and I just decided I would, I would shoot him so because that's kind of what my character would do. And it was I couldn't find a way out of it, so I figured, you know, to fit my character, if I could not, uh, if I if I couldn't talk him out of it, I would just. Okay, have what to have you him. learned from this? You've learned that you shouldn't take weird, you shouldn't take weird space racists on in your party with you. That's a bad idea. She was well, no, she wasn't like in my oh, party. Oh, she just shows up. She goes, "Hi, Shepard. How are you doing?" Oh, it's a dinosaur. Well, yeah, because they, yeah, they yeah. all regroup on Vermeer. Oh. Normandy drops everyone off. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh. I don't, I don't know. I like Ashley like a lot because she's so she's got such a, like a funny attitude, and she's always like making comments. So I, I bring her along in the party so that she can make sarcastic comments whenever somebody says something to me. Right. I actually I do finish Vermeer. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I deliberately killed Caden in that nuke explosion because I hate. I him. didn't deliberately kill him, but <laughs> I did decide eventually that Caden was too much of a nice guy and didn't really say anything. He wasn't as snarky as Ashley, so I was like, I don't really care about like that you're a biotic, but I like my snarky comments, so I'm keeping Ashley around. <laughs> right, Ashley might be a racist, but at least that's an interesting character trait. Yeah, whereas Caden is completely fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah, he's just he's just a dude. Well, you know what? He's totally uh there there was totally like a homosexual subplot between him and uh and Shepard. Yep. I saw that. Hey, are you able to like I I don't know, are you able to actually like nope. act on that nope. in the game because nope. no, you cannot. They, I don't know if it was intentional, but they walk up to each other in the ship and they just look at each other for like a good five seconds or something, and then the conversation starts. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> bad loading times, but... I know, but I totally thought they were staring longingly at each other. And then there was there's one part where, like, uh, where Shepard said something to him where he's like, anything we say can be considered off the record, Kaiden. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Hey, Kaiden, I see you've got some implants in your pants. Ha ha ha. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I killed that guy as well. He was so boring. <laughs> every time I talked to him, yeah, he's just so. Dumb. I went up to the guy. I went up to the guy every time I tried to talk to him. I said, "Wait, this character's boring. Where's Tali gone? Hi, Tali. You know, so. Oh man, well, speaking Tali's... of boring characters. Hey, 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 hey. Tali is kind well, of. She's boring. got a good accent. Yeah. That accent's pretty good. No, that was just what to say. Plus, she has that stupid. No, accent. No, no, it's a good <laughs> accent. Tali is such a goody two shoes. 
I don't like oh, her. But for the fleet, ah, oh, never mind. Well, yeah. see, in Mass Effect 2, she causes problems for me. Hey, hey, because hey, hey, there's hey. another. No, no, no. This is not a spoiler. This is not a spoiler. There's another person you can get in your party that is, uh, you know, it will clash with her. And uh, it's either her or this other party member. And it comes down to that. She's out. <laughs> yeah, I pretty much. My favorites were Rex. Garrus and Ashley, because they were all Garrus like... is the man. Yeah, Garrus is pretty awesome. I like him. They they all have that that attitude, which I think is you know because everybody else like Kaiden and um, uh, Tali and oh my god Liara, they're all like annoying, boring goody two shoes people, especially Liara. Really, I actually yeah. kind of liked her. I liked her. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's going to be. It's weird actually, because going back to Mass Effect to try and get my like PC save done. I must admit that ever since playing Dragon Age, the characters do seem kind of a bit more boring um, compared to Dragon yeah. Age. Because Dragon Age characters, I mean, Dragon Age's characters are so in, they're so deep. I mean, especially just there's so much history to all of them. Especially just Morrigan, just having Morrigan in your party for like the jokes and taking the piss out of everyone else. Yeah. And the why are you saving everyone? You're a dick. Let's go save the world already. You know. So, or, you know, Sten, who is basically just... Right, like, you help somebody out, and she gets all pissed off at you, it's great. Yeah, Sten, whenever I... I, love, I used to love Sten when I come back to the camp, and you just immediately get in my face and go, Why are you a Grey Warden? You suck balls! It's like, fuck off, Sten, I saved your life! And then he's like, how dare you? Sten is oh. useless. You know. Uh, big love, Bull Lummox. Oh, man. I'm dying. Dying for that Dragon Age DLC. Is this the <laughs> Return to Ostagar one? Or the, um... Well, yeah, that too, because they pulled it and I couldn't download it in time. But I'm referring to Awakening, the big-ass expansion oh, pack. God, I cannot... Dragon Age Origins Awakening? The stupidest name? I think name. it's just Dragon Age Awakening. Or am I believing that because it... It better be. I, I don't know. I'm standing by that because that sounds a lot better. Taking Origins out. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing with Dragon Age is the fact that I, I'm salivating for more Dragon Age content, apart from the fact that I still haven't even completed it the first time through. I've only done, like, one of the four branching paths that you can do, like... And I, I have no more time to play it. It's rather annoying when Bioware keeps giving me nice things like Mass Effect Two soon. You know, I, I yeah. Come on, come on, Bioware, stop being so good to me and giving me delicious games that are actually like amazingly good. This isn't fair. Wait. <laughs> oh wait, Mitchie. Yo. Um, here's the deal. If I have to choose between getting Mass Effect Two and Dragon Age, what should I choose? Hmm. Well, I don't know. It depends. I don't know. I wasn't really even into Dragon Age. Like, I bought it because I thought, well, this is supposed to be amazing, but I don't really like fantasy stuff anymore. Like, I've kind of, mm. I don't know. I haven't outgrown it, but I'm just not into it anymore. But I started playing it, and that is the furthest thing from a fantasy game you could possibly imagine. Like, it is a dark, almost like almost medieval kind of story, and it is like super violent. The characters are really deep. The story is incredible. Well, it is. But I'm a sucker for Mass Effect because I fucking love that game so much. You even love the driving scenes in Mass Effect? Nope, but I can tolerate them. <laughs> I will put Those up with them. Those are terrible. They are pretty brutal. There's no driving in Dragon Age, but there's some <laughs> bullshit in Dragon Age. Like, Drive gotta, a robot horse a la Vampire Hunter D? You gotta put up with like a lot of repetition in Dragon Age. Like All the dungeons are basically built the same way. I mean, Dragon Age is kind of, it's, it's, 
because there's, there's a type of fantasy called dark fantasy which tries to be like you know realistic and low magic and but it usually just comes out as being trite and sort of like oh my there's demons everywhere and i have a sword that's very bit <laughs> you know it's like if someone took berserk and then just went even more crazy with it you, you know dark fantasy is usually absolute tat but dragon age actually like makes a world that is at least semi-believable and interesting. Right, a lot like Mass Effect, it is super well established. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's also got a nice, it's also nice, like, you know, like Mass Effect, like the, I'm going to speak to the first one, but you have like the Citadel, and as soon as you get on the Citadel, you think, yeah, this makes sense. Like, all my sci-fi, like, nerding throughout the years has taught me there would be a big-ass space station somewhere. You know, like Babylon 5 style, Deep Space Nine <laughs> style. You know, you, you're used to the idea of there being a big honking space station with people walking around. Oh, I love, like, the, the politics and the history behind Mass Effect. That's one of the coolest parts. Just, like, the fact that there's, you know, a, that humans have joined with the aliens, but the aliens don't really like the humans, and there are a lot of racist humans who don't like the aliens. Like, it just is such a logical way of dealing with how, like, a logical way of explaining how humans would interact with aliens if we went out and found them. And I love reading the descriptions of the planets, too. Like that Mars has become a like a backwater for humanity since we moved out past the uh, like the our own our own solar system. Right. Well, Mars is where they first found the, ma- the mass relay. And it's just so interesting that there are like random planets that are all they have is like a little you know research outpost on them or something. Or actually, my favorite is that one planet that has uh, where the pirate etched his name onto the planet's surface. Did you guys ever find that one? No. Yeah, if you read the description, it says that like a, a pirate crew came by, and because it was this tiny planet in the middle of, the, of nowhere that nobody cared about, they used a laser and carved like you know this pirate captain is the best or something onto the planet's surface. Nice. And I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. That's probably what everyone would do if they actually had like a Death Star. It's like, no, don't blow it up. Just right. like Elliot is the coolest on it. You know, seriously. <laughs> I know what I'm doing with this space station, so what? Can we believe you have command? No, shut up and draw. So. <laughs> that's what Tarkin would have done with the Death Star if given the choice oh, Tarkin was a dude <laughs> uh, yeah so anything else you guys are, are doing I've been um, go ahead I'm oh, sorry um, I've been doing something you guys might find reprehensible um, I recently watching t- Moe yeah, it's, well, I would personally argue it's not Moe but whatever oh. this is all semantics but I recently received um, the first um, series of Hidamari Sketch on oh. DVD um, it came in the post because I bought it from Sentai Filmworks um, off the website for like all of £20 and it got delivered to me this week transatlantically and yeah it's 12 episodes of a bunch of art students doing moderately boring stuff but I kind of enjoy it because it's funny <laughs> and that's, well, about that's pretty it. much what you have to do to make most sane people enjoy a Moe show yeah, a I lot mean, of these shows are like it's funny and I'm like I laughed twice in five episodes. I mean, I just, I just, I, I, the thing that kind of irks me about it is the fact I don't really find it to be Moe. I think people are Moeizing it by just fetishizing the characters and over exaggerating traits, sort of thing. I mean, you get this in different fandoms, obviously, but you know, like, I mean, each of the characters have quirks or whatever, and it's all very sort of normal for the course. But then people sort of exaggerate them and make them out to be some sort of Moe masterpiece. Except that in this, it's just a bunch of art students, and you know, it's, this is not this is not a great anime. I'm not going to like give it to people and say you should watch this. It's the greatest thing ever. This will get you into anime. No, it's like a, it's a it's a budget collection of subtitle only anime, 
about just moderately interesting stuff and i like the art direction which is one of the reasons i like it because it's a show about art and it does right. you know it does interesting things with digital animation instead of just trying to reproduce cell animation using digital techniques like hmm. you know it'll do things that you just find interesting and you think huh you know that's an interesting way to phrase that scene or to use color or to you know because you can easily change the entire palette of a character without having to redraw the entire character and change the character art you can just tweak a knob in photoshop equivalent <laughs> to make st- like to make a character appear bright red um, when yeah. they're real instead of having to redraw a character design you just turn them red and give them a glow i just i don't know i just find it like you know a character gets ill and then has like a bunch of weird ass dreamscape dreams and that's an episode, and it's just kind of amusing. It's not, you know, going to set the world on fire, but I kind of like watching it at the end of the day before I go to bed. So, yeah, I'd recommend it if you're, if you know, if you already know about the show, then you pretty much should just go buy it because it's cheap as all hell, and the first set is like twenty or so dollars. Um, How would you say it compares to Azumanga Daioh? Um, same kind of thing, smaller cast, less. It doesn't take itself so seriously. And Azumanga Dayo takes itself seriously. Well, no, I mean in the presentation, I mean Azumanga Dayo follows it. Fo- you know, it follows the school years in order, whereas Hidamari um, just, I mean, it's written. The original manga was done chronologically, so it follows their three years through this art school. Um, but the, the anime, because they wanted to try and just get it done and make do the episodes they liked, they just cherry picked parts of it and mixed up the order and just made the episodes as they saw, as the as um, Shaft saw fit. So you know you'll get an episode where there's a there's a common theme where there's a butterfly, and um, it tra- the epi- some episodes have it in the chrysalis, some episodes have it in the tank eating lettuce, and some episodes have it actually as a butterfly flying around. Um, but it kind of just mm. mixes them up. So the, the, it's all out of order when it comes to time, but it kind of just flows along nicely. But the first episode is kind of bad for that because you have not the characters keep referencing stuff that happens in li- later episodes. It's like, do you remember when we did karaoke? And I'm sitting there going, no. <laughs> when, did you, when did you do karaoke? <laughs> did I miss the prequel OVA? And you know, it just does that sort of thing where it kind of just jumbles up time to uh, to just for its own for its own sake. You know, it just wants to do it, and the show does. So, but yeah. Um, okay, but, yeah. I've got one more thing. Unless you guys have anything else. Well, I was just gonna say I pulled a complete fast karate on uh, Dark Siders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that game starts out really awesome, and it, I don't know, it stays consistently awesome, it's got great combat and cool puzzles and stuff, but just a word of warning if you haven't played Darksiders, that game is incredibly repetitive. <laughs> it gets to the point where, like, I just couldn't get behind the structure of it, after a while I got tired of doing fetch quests, what you end up doing is a lot of walking in that game, so you, you get assigned these tasks, you have to go take the hearts of these demons, and you end up having to do that uh, a few times in a row to collect them. And I just got really sick of, you know, find this heart. Alright, I got the heart. Okay, I need another one. Okay, well, I found you another heart. Well, I need a third one. God damn it, I'm getting tired of this. <laughs> I need a fourth heart to finish it off. Like, here's your last heart. Let's go to the tower and finish the game. When you get to the tower, which you're trying to get to the entire time, guess what's in the tower? More fucking fetch quests. God damn it. So I, I quit running around there. Aren't you like But Darksiders is really good. What's that? Sorry, aren't you a horseman of the apocalypse? Wouldn't you just say, like, I am a horseman of the apocalypse. <laughs> Fuck your fetch quest. Yeah, right. Why are you I collecting know, like, hearts? I have a horse who is on fire. Wait, wait. Come on. Mitchy, are they like Yo. actual human hearts? Or are they like Zelda no. hearts? No, no, no. You're ripping hearts oh, out okay. of the like, you're, you're chopping open the chest of a giant worm and ripping out its heart. That's metal, but, you... I, but making out a fetch quest sounds yeah. exceedingly boring and sucks all the joy out of it by the sounds of it. Yeah. Ugh. 
I mean, I, I, I watched the giant bomb quick look of that, and they got to this challenge room where they had to kill, like, so many enemies in a short amount of time, and it was six minutes of pressing attack button, and I think I... Right, those get really boring as well. You get to these gates, and they... The first one you find opens up right away. You, like, you use a horn, and he's like, oh, what's up? You woke me up. Thanks, I'm out of here. And it's a golem, and the gate walks away. And you're like, right on, sweet. I found another gate. I'm going to use my horn. He's going to walk away and let me through. Instead, what happens is he's like, oh, I'm stuck. I can't move unless you go do these five challenge rooms. And they all have these, like, preset conditions, like keep uh, weak allies alive or do this specific counterattack 12 times or whatever. That game is really good, but it shoots itself in the foot a few times. Hmm. I mean, I, I was I'm sorry to keep jumping onto other things, but the Joystick Podcast also mentioned a huge backtracking element at the end of the game. Did you have to do that as well, or was that being exaggerated? Oh, I didn't. I quit before then, that's for sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I would have thrown my controller through my TV if there was backtracking in that game, because the little amount of backtracking I had to do was a pain in the ass, because it's all walking, right? Like, you'll walk for long periods of time without seeing any enemies. Oh my goodness! I can't imagine having to go through everything again. But didn't you get de- didn't you get Demon Horse at some point? Yeah, but you can only use him on certain surfaces. Weak. So you'll be like, "Sweet, I'm going to burn through this area." Oh, uh, ruin is disabled, and I can't ride. Wait, him. wait, wait. So wait your what? horsemen are the apocalypse, but your horseman, your horse itself, can only be used in certain areas. Right. Like you have to find him. I didn't find him for about like I don't know ten hours, and once I found him, I was like, "Oh yeah, shit's going to go down." And then shit did not really go so down. So you're a useless horseman of the apocalypse. <laughs> Pretty much. It's more the horse is useless. I think Ruin needs to be sort of broken in and, you know, you know, withhold the carrots and give him a bit of whip, maybe. It's like, come on! <laughs> you're supposed to be the most metal horse in existence. Why, aren't you, why can't I ride you? <laughs> and the horse just fucks off. Oh, yeah, Mitchie, I just want to say, you said you pulled a fast karate on it, but I do believe that Dave and Joel have determined that it is now called pulling a Mitchie D on it. Um, I'm aware, but that's false. That's, that's definitely that's pulling a Dave Riley, and it will forever be pulling a Dave Riley. You can't put that on me, fast karate. They've been doing it for five years. That's that's their claim to fame. I mean, I, th- I did it with Fa- I did it with Fahrenheit, and that's the ultimate um, pull of fast karate, isn't isn't it really? I mean, uh, either that or Call of Cthulhu. Oh God, yeah. Ugh. I did that. For that. I played that along with Rebel FM Game Club, and my God, and I I pissed off. I actually played the whole way through that thing. Ugh. Also, Rule of Rose. Uh, I, I have a copy of that. It's French, because they banned it here in England. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not that bad, actually. I quite enjoyed it. Um, All right, I've got, one, uh, I've got one more thing to talk about, anime-related. And I know, I, I think you watched this, Elliot, Mobile Suit Gundam movies? Yeah, I've watched the first two. The third okay. one I can't really get myself to watch, because it's so depressing. Because I think I, I think I remember you posting on Twitter. This is no Zaku boy. No Zaku. Oh, that was I, awesome. I've actually got my first Dynasty Warriors Gundam game just for that character, and then I said, "Well, not gonna play this game anymore. It's boring." So. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Rambo Ra, Ra. We could just do a, a podcast episode about how awesome that man is. Oh. He he dies. Spoiler alert for a 1979 series. Uh, he, the way he dies is I don't remember the exact quote, but he turns back at, like, Bright and all the people on the white base, uh, which is the ship in Mobile Suit Gundam, for people who don't know. And uh, he says something like, and, like, Amaro's in front of him with the, the Gundam. He says something to the effect of, this is how you die in battle. And then he sets off a grenade and then jumps into Amaro's Gundam's hand, hugging the grenade, and then blows up. That is the way to die. 
everybody should learn a lesson from Rambo Rao. That's, basi- that's basically it. That, I've got to watch those movies again. It's been about three months since I've watched them, but man, those movies are kind of harrowing to sit through, though. So yeah. much, so much tragedy. Well, the third one is really good. It might be my favorite. And for some reason, the first 20 minutes of it are, like, mind-blowingly good. And then the rest of it is, is just good, like, on the same level as the movie before it. I don't know why that is, but, like, the animation just gets better. And, the right, and like, the, the, the pacing of the dialogue is better. And it just, it's, in general, it's just all better in the first 20 minutes. And then it, like, plateaus back off again. Well, maybe maybe because they, you know, the original series got kind of st- cut off halfway through when they when it was actually a TV right. show. So maybe that stuff they reanimated because they had to cut it due to time. Yeah, when, that might have been it. When the network was telling them get the head off, sort of thing. Yeah, but it's oh god, those those movies are so good because it's uh, it kind of feels like you're watching a TV show, like you're like you're watching the TV show rather than like Macross. Do you remember Love? Is its own movie, and that's good. But uh, what's cool about it is you get the experience of watching the TV show without watching the whole thing. Because they're kind of like, there are tons of climaxes within each movie. Because they pretty much include all like the ends of each episode in there. So you've got like scenes where you see the white base fly off into the sunset and that's not the end of the movie. That's the end of a scene in the movie. So, And that's what makes it exhausting, right? Because it's like you're watching so many episodes you you feel like you're marathoning the show rather yeah. than watching a movie it's like a constant crescendo of sort of stuff yeah. really really important stuff happening I, there were so many times where i said man that'd be a great part to end the movie and it just kept going yeah for like two hours yeah each <laughs> brutal yeah no but they're they're so good i mean amuro ray is is like i call him the original shinji akari and i know a lot of people have made that comparison but he's like a shinji akari without being as stupid uh, so it's like he. So he's only like ninety percent annoying. <laughs> well, he, he he starts off being completely ninety pathetic, but then he gets better. So yeah, yeah, he starts yeah. off like Shinji Akari, and later he becomes this tragic. Like it's not like he's whining the whole time, but I don't want to pilot the Gundam because that's like the first half hour of the first movie. All right, I'm gonna interrupt you and say there is no human being on this planet who would cry about having to fly a giant fucking robot around. Hey, Amuro Ray does it be, not because he of the flying the robot, but because. He's forced to kill people, and he's like a fourteen-year-old kid, and he and doesn't. Ev- and everyone he knows keeps dying. Yeah, so like he's got a real reason for it. Shinji's like, I don't want to fight. Nobody's died yet, but I'm just kind of scared. My and dad doesn't appreciate me. Yeah, no, but but Amuro's got like legitimate reasons because at the beginning he like is told to shoot a guy who's not even in a mobile suit, and they're just like, shoot this dude. I think it's Char actually. And he's like, shoot this dude with your laser gun and he's like but i have to actually shoot a person and they're like do it and he can't do it because he's so like scared of doing that but then later he just shoots a guy point blank with a gun in front of his mother and his mom's like amuro what happened to you so it's like it's really cool how it shows his evolution from being like this innocent kid to being this battle-hardened warrior and how that kind of chips away at at his psyche and stuff very, very interesting, and it's got a lot of awesome backstory with other characters too, because they're all they're all civilians kind of pressed into service on this spaceship, and it it they all kind of have a backstory, and then you find out about their love interests and things like that, and and 
it it's very good at showing like the tragedy of war and you know it also is very melodramatic because it's like when somebody meets a love interest you're like yeah one of them is gonna die now that they have a love interest mm. but ever, sorry, it's, I, it's cool i like it no go ahead i mean have you ever seen um space runaway idion no but i i've been meaning to watch it uh, it's also re- a tomino show yeah, I recommend it, but it does it does take a while to get to the good stuff because it was it, it the first half is really drawn out, but the second half is kind of compressed because we ran out of episodes. But um, the main you would like the main character in that because he's kind of he kind of skips the whole Shinji phase and goes from being kind of reluctant but not whiny to whatever. Let's get this done and stay alive for another day. And the guy kind of loses like a mother, a surrogate mother, another oh, wow. surrogate mother. Um, a girlfriend, a second girlfriend, you know, all of which are mostly right in front of him, or at least like a few feet yeah. away. So the the character just eventually just stops giving, just stops trying. At the end, it's kind of it, it's kind of harrowing when he eventually just goes, "Oh fuck it, let's just get this done and kill everything, and so I can go home." Yeah, he he also has um like what would happen if you let Amuro raise Afro grow out a little bit more, like a lot more. The right. afro that is larger than the hat than the helmet that contains it. Yeah. Yes. That's a perfect afro. Like that girl in Otakuhito, actually. Oh yeah. She's got that awesome afro. <laughs> oh man, magic. That is a pretty gnarly afro. <laughs> so that's all I've been doing. Are you guys done? I think um, we can I have end one this thing. on afro discussion. Yeah. Uh, I have one thing. If I just want to quickly say one thing about it. Um, yep. I've been playing the Star Trek Online beta, um, and hmm. I've pre-ordered it now because. Although I'm not going to say it's a, it's a very good game or a very good MMO, it scratches every Star Trek itch I have, which, <laughs> to be fair, isn't very much. Like, I'm not a massive Star Trek fan. I just kind of like the feeling of the world. And the MMO gets that perfectly. And if they continue patching it at the same rate they're currently doing, it will be pretty good, you know, serviceable as an actual game. But I can't help feeling that they should have made it as an actual single-player game, to be honest, because the MMO stuff kind of seems a bit tacked on because the entire thing is instanced. But um, I recommend it if you like, you know, space. If you like space combat, but hate hate, you know, Eve, the Excel simulator, or if you just really like Star Trek without the whole like, you know, you don't because there's not many named characters in it. It's just mostly just a sort of universe and lore. Then just go for it. Um, but yeah, good luck getting into the beta, beta now because it's like three days before the beta beta ends um, at the time of recording. But yeah, I, I, I'm having I'm having fun with that, but. It's also the fact that it's a horrible, horrible grind for the first ten levels. Then it becomes like exponentially easier, which seems a little weird. Mm. But that's. I also have one more thing. Yep. It's pronounced beta. Yeah, oh. I was going to say that a beta. What's a beta? <laughs> it's a beta. Is that like a vegetable. Hey, hey, hey! It's beta. That's false. No, it's beta. I had I had Greek <laughs> lecturers. I had, le- I had Greek lecturers in university, and they told me to say it that way. Well, you know what? You have an anti gamers lecture right now. It's called a beta on this <laughs> whatever, podcast. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> I choose. I choose beta. Okay, this is the end of the podcast. I think you guys are done. That's it. Uh, thank you for listening to the anti gamers podcast. You can find more information about the podcast, including uh, blog posts for every show and show notes and comments at podcast.antigamers.com. If you have any feedback, you want to let us know if you like the new show format or, or anything else you want to say about the show, send that to podcast at antigamers.com or leave us a comment on one of the blog posts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am twitter.com slash V-A-M-P-T-V-O. Mitchie is? Mitchie D. Elliot? Elliot Page. Yeah. Uh, P-A-G-E. So yeah, E-L-L-I-O-T <laughs> Page. Not two T's. That's Philistine.
what else do we got? You can subscribe to the podcast at feeds2.feedburner.com slash podcast. Uh, and you guys just pimp whatever whatever uh, websites, again, that you work at other than Annie Gamers. Uh, downrightfears.com, right as in, you know, with a pen. That's a blog that I have. That's all I'll promote. I'm good. Yep. And again, Elliot, your podcast. <laughs> I remember it this time. Um, you'll find my podcast at lukeandelliot.com, which is a weekly, um, unprepared, unrehearsed, and partially drunk talk about video gaming and usually about how terrible the level is because we're British and we do things like that. But yeah, you'll find that at lukeandelliot.com. Um, hopefully the podcast site should be a lot faster now because I've just re- uploaded, upgraded half the website um, back end. But who knows? All right, and you can read uh, news, reviews, and more about anime, manga, and video games at our main website, anigamers.com. That's it. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Hugs and kisses. Bye.